0: Beginning the trek, a fifty-two episode introduction to Star Trek. Are we starting out with apologies?
1: I, th- I think we should start out with some apologies before we get to, before we get to progress. We should talk about um, the the minor, the, the myriad of minor disasters that was emissary. Some mistakes that I made, a mistake that I made. Like we should I, introduce I,
0: first because yes. Because once we get going into the I'm sorry's. why don't we do that? Hi.
1: Yeah. Hi. The, welcome to Beginning the Trek. This is episode 29, Progress. The second episode of our Deep Space Nine Trek. Uh, my name is Andy Goldberg, and I am the Trek veteran.
0: I'm Jessica Ray. I am the newbie. I'm watching all of these for the first time. So I'm hoping to get a little bit more forgiveness still out of that. Like, we're all just new, but I think 29 episodes in, we really ought to have not made some of the mistakes that we made last time.
1: We've done a really good job of, of... Of, of avoiding technical glitches and getting everything published on time. I'm very proud of us. And everything came to a head during Emissary. I made a mistake in one of my recommendations. Let me get that out of the way right now. Uh, Battle Lines is a great episode, and it's the 13th episode of the first season of Deep Space Nine. And uh, I highly recommended it. Unfortunately, last week, I recommended it as the 10th episode. Now, the 10th episode is called Move Along Home. Touted by many is one of the dumbest episodes of Deep Space Nine ever. (laughs) So, boy, did I hit the mark on that. Now, I happen to love Move Along Home in the same way that I happen to love Spock's brain, but it certainly was not on my recommended list. So, if you went to episode 10 and watched it and you thought that I had gone temporarily insane, sorry. So, that's my First come clean. What's yours?
0: We talked about the technical difficulties we had with the actual recording. All right. That happened too. Uh, So that was, which hopefully, which hopefully nobody noticed. That's the idea. Right. But then I also made a mistake. A second one, two weeks in a row, uh, I've had issues in titling these posts, so uh, hopefully it's all fixed, and anyone listening to it now, if you went back, you'd see that last week's was entitled episode 28, Emissary, uh, but for a while it said episode 29, Progress,
1: which is, of course, what we're going to be talking about. And this episode will be titled Progress.
0: Everything, the content was all correct, because obviously we hadn't recorded this And uh, so what you got was not progress, but what it said was progress. And I'm sorry if that caused anybody to either not listen to it or be like, hey, this wasn't what I expected. My bad.
1: I I think we can sum all of this up by saying that when it came to Emissary, I think everybody knows what we were trying to do, (laughs) even if we didn't do a particularly good job of doing it.
0: Well, see, this dovetails nicely because now we can say we've made the mistakes and there will be progress.
1: And we've, made, oh, we've made some progress, so let's talk about episode 29, Progress, Okay. Um, on Jessica's truck. Let's, let's do the 10 sentence, so I get the 10 sentences this week. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Jake Sisko and Nog's scheming imaginations run wild when they overhear Quark's upset about owning 5,000 wrappages of virtually unsellable Cardassian yamak sauce, and a B-plot is born. Meanwhile, Gerada, one of Bajor's moons, is scheduled for a core tap to provide energy to hundreds of thousands of Bajorans, but since it will make the moon uninhabitable, evacuation procedures are almost complete. Major Kira's mission is to make sure that everyone left the moon, but she finds three people still there brandishing pitchforks, and they are not at all happy to see her. Two of these folks can't speak because they've been mutilated by Cardassians, but the third is just a pain in the butt and somehow lovable old dude named Mullabok, and he ain't leaving his home for nothing. It's B-plot time again, and Nog's lobes are tingling, euphemism intended, over the latest trade, dumping that Yamak sauce for 100 gross of self-sealing stem bolts, the finest stem bolts in the sector. For Kira, reason doesn't work, so she tries befriending Malabak and is offered a family-style meal of horrid roots and entertaining stories from the old curmudgeon. Later, when Bajoran forces try to remove Malabak and the others, weapons fire injures the old guy, and Kira has to stay behind to nurse him back to health. How we doing on that B-plot, boys? Oh, I see you got rid of those stem bolts, and now you have, um, tessapes of land? Well, hey, it's not gold-pressed latinum, but good for you anyway. Kira's efforts to befriend Mullabok go both ways, and now she really cares about the guy, so she can't just let him die here, so she has to make a horrible choice, and it's to burn down his house, leaving him nothing to live for there, and forcing him to have to come with her back to Bajor. Oh, and it turns out that the government really needed that land, so our boys just traded from a fountain pen all the way up to a Ferrari. Nice B-plot, boys. And there you go. You
0: really liked the B-plot on
1: this. I love the (laughs) B-plot of this one. I love this. This was, like, one of my first ones to find for this track. Now would be a great time to talk episode, right? This would be a great
0: time to talk about progress.
1: Let's talk about progress.
0: Okay. I would first like to say that first impressions are never right, or they're almost never right. First impressions are crap, and they're a way for us as humans to categorize things so that we can understand them and put them into easily configured buckets of our own past experiences, and they're almost never true. And as is the case with all humans, I have done that, and I didn't think I was going to like DS9. (laughs) But this one, I very much enjoyed. So I'm giving it four out of five honeycomb Kiln oven tiles. Oh, okay. Pretty good rating.
1: There's oh, so much to talk about with this one. That's a very good. I'm I'm fist pumping right now because because my my logical game playing mind was like thinking of the odds of what you would rate it, and I was thinking a three out of five would be a good rating. Three after the first after the 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 emissary one out of five, which I know was very disjointed. It's you you described it very well by saying you understood what they were trying to do, but they didn't do it. Right. And, and and I hope that progress shows you they figure out how to do what they've been trying to do.
0: This was a fascinating thing because t- watching it, I got a lot of what they were trying to say. And then I was so grateful that they put it into these characters and it was very personal because if this had been like, Big picture kind of thing. I would really have not liked this story, but it made me think so much, and it made me consider things from different angles. All of the eminent domain and uh, the manifest destiny of this episode was literally just shoved into very strong, charismatic actors playing off of each other, and it just—I it really worked. I liked it a lot. It was very Trek. I thought it was very Trek. Even when I didn't like the end of the story, because how does that not bother somebody? The end of this story is awful.
1: And and what would have been a better ending is the question that I keep coming up with. I mean, yeah, there was there wasn't a great solution. What do you do? Let him stay there and die because he wanted to? Maybe you do.
0: This is what I got out of this is that there's a very interesting undercurrent and I may be reading too much into it, but I like what I've read into it, so I'm going to go with it. <laughs> and the undercurrent for this is When I look at something, Kirk would have immediately been clever, right? He would have come up with something at the last hour and said, here's, we replicated this thing and it's going to create this thing. And now you can have your power and he gets to stay on the planet, right? Yeah. And Picard would have done some diplomacy, I think. That's how he would have handled it. He would have gone to the Bajoran government and he would have fought for the property rights, which, by the way, were never mentioned. Not once. It was all, um remind me his name, Malabok. Mm. Malibach, yeah. Okay. It's spelt kind of funny. All of these names are spelt so funny and I get into trouble on Twitter. Bajorans.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, we all Bajorans. And we'll talk about names, too. No,
0: sci-fi. Oh, sci-fi <laughs> names. Just
1: all of sci-fi. Yeah, why can't they all just be called Joe? Right? Sam, Sally,
0: like I know how to spell Bob, <laughs> but so what we've got here is uh, he would have I think Picard would have done that, that would have been much more his style, and what we have here is uh Cisco mm-hmm. who i'm I know what he was doing, but wow, do I not like him in this episode? He is a bad captain slash commander slash whatever he's in charge of. Okay. It's awful what he does because he basically tells her you're going to lose your job if you don't burn this guy's house to the ground, or that's what I got out of it. I know that's not true. We can talk about that. We in a just
1: minute. dove right in. No, this is this is fine. We just dove right into the. Yeah,
0: we we really did.
1: There's there's meat on these bones.
0: There really is. But Kira is given. They say a lose your job, quit being a part of the Bajoran government and quit being a part of the solution on this station, or kick this guy off of his home. Yeah. And she is not empowered enough and she is not creative enough to say there is an option C. And when she tries, everybody kind of kicks her down. So in that way, I think there's a lot of undercurrent, which I may be reading too much into that, but that's when I looked at it on a second watch. On a first watch, I kind of took it at face value. But when I got to thinking about what other characters would have done in Star Trek, they would have found a way to respect this guy's home They wouldn't have, and then it, but then it becomes all personal. It's who is Kira and what is she willing to do and what is she willing to accept about herself too? It was, yeah, there's meat on these bones for sure.
1: It's it's something I discovered in, during my track, (laughs) during my version of our track is I think Kira is my Spock, in a lot of ways. And it really surprised Aww. me to start looking at her from that as, as I watched her in in Emissary, which, again, get what they were trying to do, and then I kind of know where she's going. And then this and mm-hmm. the next episode, um, which is also a very big Kira-heavy fa- episode. She, this Bajoran former terrorist, now militia major, trying to do it from the other side she's searching for her version of humanity or of how to live what is what does it mean to be me she's asking and you know looking at 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 what it means now the choices that she's making and she's constantly questioning them so she's not the non-emotional one she's quite the opposite which is perfect for me very emotional <laughs> look back a couple episodes to where i couldn't stop crying passionate um and you know you know i've got the the emotions too so in a lot of ways she seems very spock like to me searching for her version of who am I? How do I live? Right. How do I contribute? And how do I come to terms with the, my past? Mm-hmm. And that the things that I want to do don't line up with the things that I have to do sometimes.
0: That was definitely the big theme of this. When you put aside the, 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 all, the all the other big picture themes of this was her accepting what a government, especially newly formed— can do and what it should do. Um, I was surprised at the darkness of what Cisco and the Bajorans themselves, after having lived through all of the Cardassian stuff, well, the Bajorans did. I don't think Cisco has lived in a whole different world. Um,
1: Well, (laughs) let's remember that Cisco was involved at Wolf 359, lost his wife, has been raising a son by himself. And this
0: is not the shiny Federation. Nope. Ship. Nope, but we've established that. They have no they had no problem blackmailing people. They have no problem doing a lot of pretty shady stuff, uh, flat out lying. It's it's a lot darker and in some way I can see how that would put people off. Uh, they put these characters in such a horrible situation and gave them no way out which is often what real life feels like when you're when you're going into a job and you don't feel like there's an option C because you're not the shiny captain who has all of the money and resources and goodwill in the world to figure out this other thing you really do have to choose between becoming something that you hated that uniform or leaving it behind and giving up any sense of I'm doing something good in this world and I'm working towards something because I don't obviously you look at her and the relationship she she develops with Malabak and it's 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 good it's fantastic even while they're being obstinate towards each other it's really amazing it, it's this
1: it's this awkward. Father, daughter...
0: Oh, I went grandpa.
1: <laughs> well, okay. I mean, you know...
0: But that might just be personal. Okay. My grandpa was also a very charming, obstinate man. <laughs> okay, gotcha.
1: Uh, but it's it's that dynamic of, you know, they, they sort of fall into these roles of she becomes the caretaker and he's the, mm-hmm. the curmudgeonly yet somehow lovable.
0: Yeah, how he manages to be patronizing and still sweet is... A real talent. <laughs> like...
1: Brian Keith is the name of the actor. And I remember him from a little show called Family Affair that where he played in the 60s, mind you. He played um, Uncle Bill to three kids who I don't remember exactly how they end up living with him. But he basically becomes surrogate single father and it's just him and Buffy and Sissy and Jody. I remember the kids. And Mr. French, the butler with a heart of gold.
0: Was he also just as charming? Oh yes.
1: Yeah. And 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 he was absolute he was an absolute charmer. If you go look up I, I actually in preparation for this, I went back and I watched a scene from Family Affair, and then I had to scrape the sugar off my tv it was just (laughs) dripping with sickly sweet dialogue and uh, yeah it's really super charming super sweet Mm. teddy bears everywhere i
0: think he was the dad in the original parent trap he was that's what i remember i have yeah i have a memory of didn't grow up with tv but we had a vcr oh my gosh there we go dating myself <laughs> back when I was dead. uh and somebody had recorded it on TV. And I wish I could find this VHS because it's actually got old commercials from I don't know whenever the Parent Trap aired.
1: Eighties, uh, seventies, I don't know. Eighties, I guess on TV,
0: and it's 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 recorded. Yeah, uh, they were f- very fun and slow moving. Should we talk about this Star Trek episode? Why don't we
1: talk about progress? Hey. that's a great idea.
0: Is he? who he says he is. Because obviously Kira's fighting with who she thinks she is and who she actually is and what she's willing to do. And he is stubborn as all get out.
1: He said he'd been there for 40 years on the moon and that the, the other two joined him 18 years ago. So he lived on that moon, presumably by himself, grinding the, 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 the soil in his teeth, uh, and rolling around on it until it surrendered. My grandpa
0: walked to school in the snow uphill, both ways.
1: Yeah. With broken glass, no shoes.
0: And they were grateful and they were thankful (laughs) for it. well, But here's what I'm getting at, obviously with his history, because while we doubt the the fish was this big, we don't doubt what he actually went through. And there's probably much like if you meet this person in real life and they've been to war or they've been through some stuff, there's stuff they're not talking about. The
1: man became a hermit. Yeah.
0: And there's good reason for that.
1: He basically became a hermit and then these these people showed up there and um I in all of my rewatches I did pay close attention to the number of people actually living on the moon that needed to be evacuated. There were a total of, can you guess the number? 47 Correct. 47 hey. ding ding ding. Give her a prize. Wow, I was so <laughs> I mean,
0: I knew it was a it was a small a fairly small number,
1: but Star Trek and forty-seven have that that history. Have oh, we ever talked about you that? You told
0: me, yeah, you yeah, you mentioned this before.
1: Right, you'll see forty-seven show up more than just about any other number on Star Trek, um, and there were forty-seven people on that moon, so people migrated up there. But he seemed to only know the other two, the 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 two that did never, you know, the, and they didn't live with him. They lived down at the cottage down the way.
0: Clearly, he's been through some stuff only and it's not so much i think that he's stubborn about where he's saying it's that he's terrified of change and you're allowed to be terrified of change but they didn't address that nearly as much as they addressed him w- saying i'll die if i leave mm-hmm. and i'm going to die if i stay so i'd rather stay and it seemed like kira's struggling with if somebody's going to commit suicide and they're not crazy they know what they're doing, and you can't threaten them anymore. Then what do you do? Well, you sit down and listen, which is what she did. Yeah. Well, Cisco doesn't, but she does. <laughs> like, Cisco is like, why are you here? Get your butt back
1: to work. Her job was to make sure the evacuation happened. That's from Bajor. She's getting those orders, not right. from Cisco, from Bajor. Cisco's down there saying, listen, you're running the station, and right now you're holding up a project, and they're on my butt, and if you can't do the job, someone's going to. It's not going to be – I don't think he was threatening to. No,
0: but that's how bureaucracies become kind of like the way I view the Klingons. Give it about two generations, and I don't think the Bajorans are going to be – unless something big happens and they get a very – unless they get a Picard up there in their ranks – Or maybe religion saves them. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, I just don't see a a government that's willing to do this right after what they've been through in establishing themselves. They're like, oh, we're going to do this. Wow. That's there's no other solution. Really? You don't have a
1: guy just sitting on a station offering you aid. I'm going to I'm going to just give you an analogy. Okay, and, And we'll see what you think. Let's suppose that it was our government. Would you expect them to come up with the proper solution and do what was right for these two people if it was somewhere out in, let's say, the Nevada desert?
0: Expect? No. Hope? Yes.
1: I got that. And you certainly hoped that they could make it happen on Deep Space Nine, too, and they couldn't.
0: But this is the same time frame as and this is the same star trek as next generation
1: welcome to deep space nine (sighs) it's not all shiny spaceships and interesting aliens that we get to fly away from
0: and clever solutions right
1: we have to sit in the stuff that we create Week after week after week. Then they should create better stuff because what they just created. They're going to work on it. They are a brand new provisional government that just kicked an invading force off the planet and are still trying to figure out how they're going to feed everybody. And they're doing everything they can think of. And I get it. It's frustrating. And that's you're feeling major Kira's pain because she is. Oh, God, wait till next week. Oh, my God. Wait till (laughs) next week.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it because as much as I didn't l- like the conclusion, I've really liked this story and it's hard and it's tough and, and you can nitpick at it from far away. But when you're that person in that becoming that, do you say I'm bailing or I'm becoming mm-hmm. because that was kind of the, ah, and that's just, that's just who, who, who you are. Who are you going to be?
1: I really, The Spock thing was the one thing, like, I, I was so surprised to see how I'm, I'm like, living, You're reacting living to her. her, learning about her version of, for lack of a better term, humanity, bajoranity, you know, her version of how to live. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, I'm so connecting to it. Sometimes you do things or you have to do things you don't want to do. You end up in situa—and and, and then you get to choose. Is that the job I want? Or do I want to give that up and go do something else? Else. When it
0: comes to that, it's really interesting. They didn't give her a line, that line in the sand that she's willing to cross. Apparently she's totally willing to cross that one, which makes me wonder where her line would be because everybody does have something or some, I mean, sometimes you don't. I'm sure there are other people who you could get to burn down this guy's house and kick him off or uh, hit him with a phaser and put him somewhere and drag him to where somewhere he doesn't want to be. Mm-hmm. But I am not going to be that person who does that. This episode got me thinking about that. Where, Where's my line? And everybody's line is different, but I wish that more people were way especially people in positions of power i wish their lines weren't so i wish their lines weren't constantly being pushed so far and that's humanity that's real that's america and the world i don't think it just happens in america but that's what it feels like you hear these stories and you're just like how could you think that that was okay
1: we haven't found where her line is yet have we We haven't is this
0: about the time when we're going to well, Is this next next episode, she draws the line? Okay, awesome.
1: Yeah, so I want to I switch gears. Okay. I want to switch uh, because there was a B plot.
0: There was, and I've been all excited about this A plot, and you really, you told me, you're like, I picked part of this was just for the B plot.
1: When I, when I first said, okay, what episodes am I going to do from Deep Space Nine? The first thing I said was, hey, what was the episode where Jake and Nog like trade away the yamak sauce and they try to, fig- you know, and they end up like with this super valuable, la- what was that episode? And this was it. And when I saw, Perfect. when I saw progress and I saw the other side of it and said, oh, it's this one. It was just like, oh, awesome. Awesome. Because uh it gives you a chance to get to know Major Kira. Obviously it's a really good episode. And then you get this. So what'd you think of our boys?
0: Uh I really enjoyed two things, and then I was a tiny bit horrified by one particular moment. Uh Uh-oh. The particular moment I was kind of horrified by was when Nog says, I'm getting a tingling in my
1: ears. Ah, in my lobes, in my lobes. Shut
0: it off for your children, because is he basically saying I'm getting a boner? Like, Can Um, I say that? Sure, this
1: is, I think that we got rid of the clean rating. Is that
0: what he's saying? Because, ew. Well... Or is that just like 13-year-old boy talk? How old is Jake and how old are Jake and Nog at this point?
1: Okay, so so I, I would put Jake and Nog in in about that 13, 14. Yeah, they're the ones who would be laughing hysterically at something like, I don't know, the first duty. <laughs> oh, I thought I'd get better on that. Shut up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fair.
1: Anyway, um, God, I lost track. Yeah, I would say they're probably around 13, 14 years old at and the beginning yeah, of this. And yeah, he's saying what I think he's saying there. Um, Yeah, probably. Okay. Well, some version of it. Some version of it. The more I think about it, the more deliberate it probably was from these very clever writers who said, I'll bet we can get away with a boner line without the censors knowing it was a boner <laughs> line.
0: <laughs> Hello, sci-fi. So- <laughs> uh, well, all right. Then for this entire plot, it was really, really great to see comedy handled. And this wasn't very campy. I mean, it was like economics in high school class, but it wasn't campy. And it was really great to see the two kids. They really well acted and they got great chemistry together. So yeah, I really, it was a fun, it was fun. And thank God for the relief because Kira is so dramatic and it's so, let's burn it all to the ground, literally really intense.
1: Frequently the Ferengi, lines, the Ferengi storylines are going to be comic relief. Um, and I'm using them in, in your Trek. Next week, we are going to get a very hard-hitting episode. The week after that, we're going to get a quirk episode. So we're going to follow up the, the, the heavy duty with some with some comedy. Awesome. Um, and they do, I think, comedy better on Deep Space Nine than in any of the other Star Treks. All of them. I think they really start to figure it out with, with Odo and that gruff Constable, sheriff, kind of guy. Quark, obviously, all the Ferengi. Uh, and they'll find ways to make fun of pretty much anything at some point. It's, well,
0: I like that they're fairly lighthearted about sex, too, because even in this episode, uh, what does Dax mention? Something about the hairs on somebody.
1: Oh, on morning. Yeah, and head. it's just
0: kind of a small aside while they're checking out the planet or the moon. But it. You know, it's it's a lighthearted little thing. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cute. Yeah. Which is a little... I mean, TNG, all of their comedy that I saw was offbeat, misunderstanding kind of things. So it's nice to see it built into the story a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, and they'll continue to do that. This, I, I think they handle it really nicely. Uh,
0: they form some kind of consortium.
1: Yeah, the, the No-J consortium. Nog and Jake, No-J. They procured for free... That yammock sauce, right? Right. Which is is a Cardassian treat with no Cardassians on the on the station. Actually one Cardassian, but
0: we haven't met him yet. N-
1: no no market for it. And they managed to trade that away and come up with, you know, some very valuable land. I think about these stories of people that started with like a fountain pen and then they traded it for, you know, right, this. Right. And then they traded that for this. And pretty soon they've got a car. And a house and a trip to Europe and they just keep yeah, it. yeah, it, I've heard. They I've just heard keep these trading it up because yeah, and and these really interesting stories. I've I've read about them on Reddit and seen them on YouTube, and and that's what these kids kind of did in a very short amount of time. Yeah, the economics were about as rudimentary as you can get. I'll give you this; you give me that. Oh, okay. I
0: I do love the way they're just guessing.
1: Not a lot of hard hitting negotiation. They don't know the
0: merchandise. They don't know what it's worth
1: it's just, it's cute. It's, they're just learning. Sure. And, and, uh, Nog in a future episode, will start to talk about the great river, uh, the, what's it called? The river of opportunity or something like that, that Ferengi's flow down. And, and I, I'm getting this wrong. I know I'm getting it wrong, but those of you that know what I'm talking about for Ferengaholics, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Is that a thing? I don't, don't know. Ferengophiles. Yeah, and we'll learn more about the Ferengi culture. We're going to learn more about the Ferengi culture maybe than we learn, or as much as we learned about the Klingon culture. They're a misogynistic breed. We've seen it. They're, into, they're greedy and they want money. And we've kind of seen them be inappropriate with women a lot. Apparently that's
0: a huge thing with them, yeah.
1: It is. And I'm pointing all that out to you because... They're going to go through a series of reforms during these seven years, and it's really cool to watch.
0: Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, so get that the stuff you see at the beginning, they've got plans for how this is all going to shake out. Okay.
0: Do they have some kind of Me Too movement?
1: Oh, yeah. Does that become a thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's wait a couple episodes to talk about about where this is going, because you're going to watch that episode and get a little grumpy at first, and then you're going to see where they're headed. Mm -hmm. Remember this conversation. Okay.
0: It was fun to see Nog essentially come back to Quark and be like, ha-ha, I took something you didn't think was valuable and made it good. Yeah,
1: five bars so, of gold-pressed The, the respect platinum. that went there was pretty cool. Well, and that's... You'll see that. Mm-hmm. Quark has a lot of respect for that kid, even when he decides to join Starfleet. Which, of course, no Ferenki would ever do that. Not yet. Okay, so we're going to talk some Trek. Yeah,
0: but I do have to mention... It is a little ridiculous that such a small population for such a short amount of time they would destroy and poison an entire moon. It seems like in the age of spaceships and gosh, like the Federation is right here. Okay, but this does get into Talking Trek because had they come to Cisco and said instead of drilling and mining out our moon and moving a like completely habitable place and doing some serious damage there. Uh, What do you think can help us here? Because there is one thing I think that Kira suggests and they're like, no, we need it now because it's something like, oh, it's going to be a year and then we'll be sustaining. It'll be self-sustaining.
1: Right. She actually, she actually says that there's a way to do it. But it would take it would take extra like an extra year, which they said they didn't have right. the people in charge. So that you're right, they didn't have that. Is
0: Cisco considering this? I mean, I don't know if they make mention of it uh, like a prime directive thing. If you're in a, a federation, is in essentially a relationship with another. It's a
1: great question. The Prime Directive question.
0: Then where does the Prime Directive fit with providing aid? Because we've always seemed completely willing. We have replicators. Why don't we just beam them some energy or something? Well,
1: and, and it's interesting because I remember from, the, from Emissary, and I hadn't noticed this until this watch through, that what Cisco says was, I will do everything I can within the best of my ability, short of breaking the Prime Directive to assist them. So he
0: does mention it. It
1: does. I don't remember whether he's the one that mentions it or or Picard mentioned it in Emissary, but one of mm-hmm. them definitely brings oh, up... Oh,
0: no, yes. No, Picard says that. You're right. Picard says that because he's really passionate about helping the Bajorans.
1: And they're not in the Federation, but they have requested Federation aid. So once, right. once in the Federation, you know, you get whatever aid there is, but they're not in yet. Now they're war-torn and dealing with a government that may or may not sustain itself. Right. And and one of the things that Picard tasked Cisco with was do everything you can to get them ready for citizen for Federation citizenship. Right. So okay. they're not there yet. The Federation or the the prime directive still applies that we can't alter their Wow, it gets it gets really tricky because right? you're right, we're running their damn station. Yeah. It just is, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation. We're going to have to see how it all plays out.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, I I mean, I'm sure it's going to get interesting because the prime directive holds for uh, their court systems. Obviously, Picard has said, well, TNG has said in the past that we don't interfere with that. We don't interfere with their laws. So it got me thinking about that. Like when we're literally offering aid and in a partnership and then we're actively holding back because we can't interfere Really interesting dynamic. And I have no idea. I'm sure there's stories that play off of this.
1: Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So so the story of the early part of Deep Space Nine is about, you know, getting that station up and running. It's still not, I mean, you know, there's still having to kick things to get them to, to start, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think we saw anything like that in this episode, but, uh, O'Brien will be, will be suffering through O'Brien must suffer. That's by the way, a trope. <laughs> that is a trope in star Trek. O'Brien must suffer. O'Brien must suffer. It is a, uh, it's a thing. Poor guy.
0: <laughs> I didn't see it. I actually watched a bunch. I think all of your recommended ones from last one, cause I wanted to get my feet. In the Waters of DS9. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Great. So uh, wow. I watched Captive Pursuit, and that's the one where... Where Tusk... Yeah, cork gets a little complaint about getting frisky, but it's also the one where the alien who is basically made to be hunted, yes. and that bonds with O'Brien. That was a cool one to watch. Yeah,
1: it's uh, and and how did you feel about Cisco in that episode?
0: He's very kindly two-faced. Like... I don't know yet. He's a he's a hard read. He is yeah. not. It, and maybe that's just the way they've set it up. Because Kira's a hard read too. Well, she's yeah. not nearly as hard of a read as uh, Cisco, But maybe I haven't yeah. seen anything. I also watched Q-less. And I know I've mentioned I don't really like Q. Liked him a little bit more. But he wasn't actively messing with anything at this point. He was just trying to get the girl to go with him. His, right, Vash, Vash. Oh, right, right. Who, who and, and you've mentioned her before, uh, something with Picard and a vacation, and yes, she's a little Captain, shady. Captain's
1: Holiday, and then Cupid, she was in two episodes of Next Generation, uh, a little bit of a, a love interest kind of thing for Picard. Um, doesn't go anywhere because she goes off with Q at the end of Cupid.
0: As we can see the consequences of that. Which is
1: why she ends up being dropped off here, is, yeah. Know. So you see, he was maybe a little feeling a little jilted, maybe, and uh, and uh, Cisco punches Q in the nose. Isn't that great?
0: Yeah, that was awesome. Well, I mean, Q kind of. I mean, Q kind of literally asks for it. Kind of literally. Yes. By putting them in a boxing situation. So I don't see how he's shocked that he gets punched in the nose. On
1: top of which, Cisco looks at him like, are you, you really want this? He almost shrugs his shoulders, right? Like, okay. Yeah, it's a good moment.
0: And then I also watched Dax, which was a really great story. And I would also recommend it. I don't think quite the same level of measure of a man, but that's because, you know, data. Uh, <laughs> but definitely the same tone.
1: Right. So t- so reminding people what Dax was.
0: Uh. Dax goes on trial because the symbiont yes, or the symbiote in, inside of her, mm-hmm. committed a crime long ago before that symbiote was put inside of this body. Right, and Cisco has to right, and Cisco has to argue before a not judge that she herself, as a being, is independent. Of the responsibility, mm-hmm. which Dax doesn't accept. No, and I, it was a, it was an interesting one.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a beginning of understanding a little bit more about her. I'm glad you got to see those because, you know, there's uh, wow. So you're really getting into it. Um, you're liking Deep Space Nine, maybe a little bit, are you? I don't know. What do you think?
0: I'm getting my feet wet. We'll see. I'm hold, I'm still holding off judgment because I judged really harshly, obviously, from the not pilot episode <laughs> from Emissary. But this one was great and Dax was great. So.
1: Good, good. Well, let me give you a couple of more recommendations then. Okay. Um, if you want to if you want to have another little mini DS9 bender to go with next week. So, we are only 4 episodes away from our next episode. Wait, what? We are only 4 episodes. Let me say that again. Between progress and our next episode, there were only Which is... deep there were How am I going to say this? No,
0: I'm sorry. Because if you don't use the titles, I'm like, what?
1: So, after Progress... Between now and next week when we record... Between now and next week, there will have been only three additional Deep Space Nine episodes aired. Did that make any sense?
0: Now I'm just picking on you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore.
0: From the episode that we watch now, there are four more episodes to the episode we're going to be watching next week.
1: Yeah, actually, the fourth episode is the one we're going to be watching. So let me tell you about the three that are in between now and then and tell you which... They're all recommended? Uh, No, I'm only going to recommend one of the three.
0: But you're going to mention all of them.
1: I'm going to tell you about all of them. Okay. So (laughs) so the 15th episode of the first season was called If Wishes Were Horses. um, And it's kind of a mashup between Field of Dreams and Rempelstiltskin and a Bashir fantasy girl played by Terry Farrell, who is Dax. Uh, Not... On my recommended list. Okay. At all. Um, it sounded big interesting. Keiko, big Keiko O'Brien episode. It's it's not on my recommended. Uh, the Forsaken, the sixteenth episode, I definitely recommend. This is the Luxana Troy episode that I mentioned that I cannot put on the list, but that I do recommend.
0: Okay.
1: So Luxana Troy, Deanna's mother, comes to visit the station, and during that there is some amazing relationship. Stuff going on between her and Odo, not like necessarily a romantic relationship, just you learn a ton about Odo and you really see what Loxana is capable of. I think it's a fantastic opportunity for Majel Barrett Rodberry to act. Cool. Highly recommended The Forsaken. After that is a drama- dra- Dramatis, 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 Dramatis Persona. Okay, if you're
0: going to say that, you should be like, dramatis personae. Dramatis
1: personae. (laughs) Dramatis persona. Okay. Um, Which is not a bad, everyone's affected by a mind-altering thingy thing, and they're completely behaving contrary to normal kind of episode. The problem with it is it's not completely thought out. And most people will have seen 16 episodes coming into this, so they'll know who these characters are. You've only seen a couple.
0: Oh, okay. So, right. so
1: seeing them, like, go through a mind-altering thing and be not who they are, all of them become not who they were. Um, but apart from that, it's kind of a fun episode.
0: Maybe one to go back to.
1: Yes, that's exactly what I'd suggest. It's one that, that if you want to go back and see a first season, it's not a bad one, um, so you could do that. And then since, it's, since I'm really only recommending one between the last one and the next one, uh, let's go back. And uh, the third, it's either going to be the second or the third. Look for the name. The name is Past Prologue. Okay. Past Prologue. And it was the next episode aired after, It was either the next episode aired or the next episode produced? I don't remember which. After Emissary. Uh, after Emissary. So um, it, it'll be right up there near the top of the first season It's list. either like, two or three. Yeah, past prologue. You will get to meet a character that I realized this week I've made a tremendous error on my list. What? <laughs> I did, but it's okay. I'm, I, 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 I'm correcting it. Okay, it's all you're gonna fi- fine. It's all fine. We're going to fix this. I don't introduce you to one particular character on Deep Space Nine until um, we go... And have our Mirror Universe episode, which means you won't meet this character until you meet him in the Mirror Universe, which means he's a little different. But I'll warn you about that. I think His we can is... be okay with that. Yeah. But if you want to watch past prologue, you'll meet him. His name is Garrick. Plain, simple Garrick. He's a tailor. He's a Cardassian tailor. Oh, he's
0: the one Cardassian on the ship.
1: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned him. Okay. sure thinks he's a spy. He's pretty darn convinced he's a spy. But, boy, from the way you would meet him, he just seems like a simple... Friendly Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's a gem. It's a fun one. Um, this one also has from the, uh, the uh, next generation, uh, the Duras sisters, Lursa and Bator. And the beauty of this is, I don't think you really, all you need to know is they're bad guy Klingons. And
0: so far I've met like one not bad guy Klingon.
1: Um, Who, you mean Morph? Yeah. Well, what about his brother? His brother was cool. You're right. Right. Yeah.
0: And both of them were rejected by their entire society, so it doesn't speak it doesn't speak highly for Klingons for me.
1: And and did you go back and watch uh, that where Riker goes and visits the Klingon ship no, yet?
0: No, I got so into Deep Space 9. I was like I know I have a li- I If you didn't hear my entire list, I have an entire list
1: I know. I just I just handed you two more, right? Like the Forsaken and Past Prologue, and then we should probably talk about. We'll get to the next episode when we get to the next episode.
0: So let's talk next week. What am I watching?
1: Finally, I get to actually say the name of this thing. Everybody that knows Deep Space Nine already knows what I'm talking about, probably. So, um, you you said a while a few weeks ago uh, that sometimes you feel pressure when. It's one of those episodes.
0: This was the inner light talking, wasn't
1: it? I think it was the inner light talking. Yeah, this is not. It's this is not the inner light. I promise you that you do not need for tissues. For you, you do not need tissues for this episode. Oh, almost okay. assuredly, you do not need tissues. And this is going to be like an angry action thing. In terms of performance, in terms of absolutely must watch. If you're going to watch Deep Space Nine, you must watch this episode. This one is on most everyone's list. So I'm warning you about that. Okay. High expectations. It is a major Kira-heavy episode. We get a little bit from Odo. Um, we get a little bit from the—the the nice thing about this, we get a little bit from the ensemble in almost every episode. You, it's not like they get two or three lines. Everybody gets a scene or two. But a lot of this will take place between Odo— Cisco and especially Kira. Okay. So it's it's that. It is the eighteenth episode of the first season of Deep Space Nine, and it is called Duet. Duet.
0: Okay. Is there singing in this?
1: There is no singing <laughs> All in right. this.
0: Yay! This is the part where I give my prediction.
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. So. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Let's hear what you got. I think.
0: That the wormhole is going to spit out uh, somebody from Bajor's past. Like a major political or military figure. And it's going to encroach on the way that Kira views history of her own people. And then the, the ship is dealing... And then especially Odo. Like, what do you do with this like military guy from the past? I think that's what's going to happen. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. it would be if, if this isn't the thing, then it should be because that sounds kind of like a cool episode. Actually, you
1: got some elements in there. How about that?
0: All right. How about that? <laughs> so 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 when will I be watching this? Is when
1: it will g- you be watching duet? And I'm sure there will be some people that will be awaiting your tweets with baited breath.
0: That always sounds so gross. Baited what, breath. Baited,
1: yeah, baited breath.
0: It's not like fresh rosy breath. It's like baited breath.
1: I don't know what the etymology is of bated breath.
0: We should definitely
1: look this up. This is the thing we're going to look up. (laughs) I'm looking it up right now. In
0: between him looking that up. Guys, guys, join me Sunday, the 22nd of April in this here lovely year, 2018. I will be tweeting out first reactions when I watch duet. 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, which makes it 9 p.m.
1: On the other coast. Atlantic? (laughs) How about Eastern time? And if
0: you're in Russia, I'm sorry, I got nothing. That's going to be tomorrow.
1: How about Eastern time?
0: (laughs) On the Atlantic coast in Eastern time. So this is, I'm such a smart girl. I know all the things. Uh, And of course, that's at Begin the Trek. It does show up if you go digging for it on our Facebook at Beginning the Trek. And it is in a sidebar if you want to visit www.beginningthetrek.com.
1: There you go. As always, like, share, subscribe, comment, please. We'd love to hear your comments on uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, anywhere where you can get podcasts. We love hearing how you're enjoying the track.
0: Of course, if you're not, then turn it off. Go do something else. Go watch some Star Trek.
1: Baited as a contraction. Oh, of abated through the loss of unstressed first vowel, reduced, lessened lowered in force. So, bated breath refers to a state in which you are almost stopped breathing as a result of some strong emotion, such as terror or awe.
0: And on that note, guys, shall we see you next week? (laughs) Where we will be waiting with a bated breath.
1: Wow. Yeah, I guess so.
0: Okay, we just need to say goodbye.
1: Yeah, we can't seem to get to the end.
0: (laughs) We'll see you next week, guys.
1: Thank you. Bye, Andy. Bye-bye. Go back and watch so go go watch Captain's Holiday. And then Cupid, I mean, I'm telling you, they are Robin Hood and his merry men. Wharf and tights. Wharf and tights.
0: I can't say the things that are coming into my head right now.
1: Oh my god, she's laughing hysterically <laughs> now. Wow.
0: So let's go back to the episode. <laughs> We're not talking about this. I don't want to be recording this. Bye. <laughs>